Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Zuvine for January 13th, 2019. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, good to have y'all both on just to set up a little bit of show. We're extremely excited about our guest. We've had some great guests in the past on the Zuvine and some big names, but we've got yet another really huge name in political journalism from Rolling Stone, the lead political reporter, Matt Taabi is going to join us probably about 20 minutes into the show, and we're going to discuss a lot of different things, including the 2020 election, um, you know, Russia, and, and things going on there with Matt and, and different uh, political topics. Uh, later in the show, we are going to get back to buy, sell, hold on now what we believe is about six candidates. Hopefully we'll get through them. But before then, Our longest streak, I think, now for a lead topic, and unfortunately that's the case because it's the longest government shutdown in history, we're going to talk about the fact that the federal government has been closed greater than three weeks. Um, Catherine, what can we do to get this thing over with just for the good of the people? Well, honestly, I think uh, it's time to start calling our uh, moderate Republican senators. I'm sure Johnny Isaacson would love to hear from all of us about how these this shutdown is going to start really affecting everyone. Uh, I think we should be concerned about grocery prices, about um, you know healthcare, about you know food safety, all those kind of things. But other than that, I really don't have any idea how to how to how to get things rolling again. We seem to be at a dead stop with the president. And uh, I I mean, I'm honestly, I'm at a, I'm at a loss for what might make a difference. Maybe the polling numbers that we're going to talk about shortly will, will have some impact. Yeah. And Catherine, I think you're hundred percent right that Johnny of our two senators in Georgia, Johnny Isaacson is the more rational and reasonable of the two. But it would seem like that if this thing is highly unpopular, which it is, even no matter who you blame, it's unpopular, I'm sure, with almost everybody, the government being shut down. But David Perdue um, should take the blame in the next election since since he's up first. Um, But then I don't think he would be a reasonable person to talk to. What do you think? Oh, I agree. I don't think he would. uh, I don't think he's. Uh, would respond as well. I think, you know, as much as I don't agree with Senator Isaacson on a lot of things, he, uh, I believe he does um, have his constituency and the, you know, and the country's best interest ultimately at heart. We might not agree about how he gets to that, but I think he would be um, 
of the two, the most responsive to any uh, expression of concern. Yes. Uh, Tim, um, your thoughts on how we uh, end this thing, because they had a meeting recently, and Donald Trump just abruptly walked out and then tweeted. It was almost like he wanted to walk out just so he could tweet, you know, bye-bye about the negotiations. Yeah, I, I happen to believe that meeting was set up just so he would walk out because he knew nothing was going to come up of it, and he did it for political reasons. There's a couple of things here. Number one, I think Trump likes this shutdown for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, I, I we talked about Trump needs an enemy. He needs a fight. He needs somebody to – he's got somebody. Now he's got uh, – Democrats in the House to fight. He's got his buggy man. Uh, Number two, what are we not talking about while we're talking about the shutdown? Even with these bombshell revelations that are coming out, we're not talking about the Mueller investigation, which is just fine with Donald Trump. We're talking about the shutdown, the hardship stories, uh, the seemingly unstoppable impasse and uh, declaring emergencies, all this sort of thing. We're not talking about the Mueller investigation. Any other time, the Mueller investigation would be all we would be talking about. So I think Donald Trump likes that. Uh, you know what I've wondered also? I think Mitch McConnell's the key to breaking this thing. Why? Why is nobody talking about him? All he's got to do is allow a vote in the Senate on the House bill that has already been passed to reopen the government. It would pass the Senate. This thing would go straight to Donald Trump's desk. Then nobody could point a finger anywhere else, even though I'm sure Trump would try. Put the thing in Trump's lap. Let's reopen the government, Mr. President, and then we'll talk about the wall or whatever else you want to talk about because, frankly, they're two separate things. Let's see what he does with that. But if Mitch McConnell don't budge on this, if he sticks with Trump, well, I, I, don't, I don't see any way to solve, solve this. Yeah, but I think that Mitch McConnell realizes with the Republican base if he does that, wouldn't he be seen as a traitor? Well, <laughs> i tell you, right now, depending on which poll you look at, anywhere from 16 to 23% of the Republican base of voters is now not with Trump on this shutdown. They, they, they are just not with him. Uh We've already got three Republican senators that are saying right now, let's reopen the government and we'll vote to do that and then worry about this other stuff. Um, As time goes on, if Trump is still seen as the problem, how, how long can these Republican senators and congressmen hold out? before their own constituents go to screaming at them. I don't think it's going to be long because there's 800,000 government workers scattered around the country that ain't getting paid, and they all have families, and they all have friends, and they all have somebody 
that knows them. And uh, this is going to have kind of a ripple effect through the economy. This shutdown is already cost costing over a billion dollars a week to the economy. That's going to pile up after a while. Uh, we've listed all of these things uh, that are not going to get done. It, it's it's going to have a cumulative effect. At some point, the, the people of this country are going to demand Absolutely, that the government reopen. Then what? Then what is Trump going to do? Say no. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And I do want to get into the poll numbers. But Catherine, I mean, I'm sorry, Tim, you brought up a good point, and I want to ask Catherine about it. Is that you know we're not talking about Russia, and that seems good on the surface for Donald Trump, but you know a lot of times with these investigations and these scandals, the public almost gets a fatigue to them. And since Mueller can do his work and there's no push to then end the investigation, he can do his work, the public is not having to you know, hear about it all the time, so some fatigue won't happen. And in the meantime, Donald Trump, whether you believe he's um, done some shady things and his campaign did shady things with Russia, he looks incompetent because he's had the longest government shutdown, and then he's going to hurt the economy with the shutdown. So it's going to weaken him as far as being a leader, being this big businessman that knows how to negotiate. And then the Mueller investigation may come out and actually reveal things afterwards, and he's already going to be weakened. So to me, it may not play in his hands that um, the Mueller investigation actually gets out of the news. What do you think, Catherine? I, I mean, I, I think there's some validity to that. Um, I just I, I have to <coughs> comment on something. We just said that if McConnell was to have a vote, that he would look like a traitor. So we're saying that the the majority leader of the Senate, should he move make moves to try to reopen the government, he would look like a traitor. Like, isn't that kind of insane logic. I mean, I agree with you. I, I absolutely agree that that's the case. But w- what kind of crazy situation are we in with this president that reopening the government would 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 seem like treason? I mean, it's it's just shocking that we're at this point in our in our uh in our political discuss- political circumstance. But yes, oh, oh it is a right. horrible I state of affairs. The more, the more, the more distractions um, that we have from the Mueller investigation, the more he's able to, you know, complete his work without without being, um, you know, the lead topic every night. So he can, so he and his team can, you know, focus on what they have to do. And when those, when we learn uh, all the things that he's learned. It makes it that much worse. I absolutely agree. I don't think, like, this is an example of where, uh, you know, all of uh, Donald Trump's supposed, you know, negotiations and strategy uh, fail him. Yeah, and, and, what I, and I do agree. That's a sad state of affairs that if Mitch McConnell would actually work with the other side and work for the good of the government to be open, just the regular workers that don't have partisan work, uh, you know, parks and, and uh, feeding, you know, children food stamp programs and whatnot, 
that's going to be uh, – should be more important than any partisan divide, but the way our country is so bitterly divided, I mean, we talked about it several months ago, but those two gentlemen in that Trump rally that wore those shirts that said, better Russian than Democratic, that's a lot of people's view in this country. They'd rather um, be with another country or against um, you know, the good of the whole country as long as they don't cross their party. Um, and, and so... That's kind of where we're at, and that's why I said that, Tim. Um, oh no, what I, I could don't Mitch McConnell? With you. Okay, I just think it's what? crazy. Yeah. Um, T- Tim, what do you think Mitch McConnell could do to kind of broker some kind of deal? It's not about brokering a deal uh, because there, there's. I, I just don't think there's going to be a deal. The deal is simple: reopen the government. Uh, and that's that. Just allow the vote in the Senate, and I think at some point he's going to have to do it. I don't see how he can help but do it. Did they not notice the results of the midterm election? An election in which the Democrats picked up the largest number of seats they've picked up in the U.S. House since 1974, and they set a record for the most votes ever in in the midterm election while the opposition, Trump and the Republicans, were running on uh, securing the border and immigration and that wall, and it fell flat. That stuff is wearing thin with people now. They've had enough of it, and Trump is, is you know, like, like the lady said, uh, the lady journalist said, that this is what it looks like to lose, Mr. President, and he just don't have to figure out that he's on the losing end of this deal. There's not going to be any wall. The House elections took care of that, and he is living in a delusional fantasy world if he thinks there's going to be a wall. There's not going to be a wall. Open the government up, and we ought to be screaming it at the tops of our lungs and saying nothing else. And call it the Trump shutdown, too. Yeah. yeah, and it definitely is. I mean, Good he point. said early on, blame him. Well, let's get something we hadn't had in the past few weeks when we discussed this is poll numbers. And there's been two polls that we know of that have come out. ABC, Washington Post came out with one, and CNN both found that um, Americans blame, by and large, Donald Trump and the Republican Party uh, for the shutdown. 53% in the ABC polls say that Trump and the Republicans are at fault, 29 the Democrats. So obviously, we know that. Um, uh, Republicans make up more than 29% of the country, so obviously um, it's not ju- – there are some Republicans that are uh, seeing some problems. The border wall, um, there's some numbers on that too since that's kind of the catalyst of this thing, but um, it's kind of a stalemate in the ABC poll. Um, it, it's up a little bit, but still nowhere near majority. Uh, only, you know, 54% in the ABC poll opposed the idea of building a wall. Tim, I know you've looked a lot harder at the uh, CNN numbers. What do you see? Yeah, um, I'm seeing 56% are are opposing that wall, and of the 39% of it who do support it, 92% of those describe themselves as hardcore Trump supporters. 
Uh, that is, those numbers have practically changed not at all in the last month since before the shutdown. Uh, a majority of people, by the way, say there's no crisis at the border, 52%. Trump's approval, his overall job approval, has dropped by five points since December. There's something that's changed, and that's his lowest approval in just about a year. Uh, by a wide margin, they blame Trump over congressional Democrats by like 53 to 32, something like that, for this shutdown. Um, and and we, we, we are just so over approval number six percent of Democrats approve of Trump. Laugh at that, but what they won't laugh at is that independents, only 36% of those approve of Trump and 54% disapprove. If those numbers hold, he's just not going to get reelected. I know Trump's the type to ignore polls like this, but I bet you congressional Republicans are certainly starting to look at him. And, and remember another thing that's changed, guys. It changed on Friday when those 800,000 federal workers missed their first paycheck. With Bill Tim, you're dropping off. Mortgages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tim, you kind of gotten pretty staticky there, and um, but Catherine, you know, you've heard, you've seen both of the sets of polls we have. What are some of your takes on the numbers? Well, it looks bad for the um, the GOP. Uh, I mean, it, it looks bad for Trump, but I I, I agree that. It, that the uh, GOP, especially those who, who are the Senate, who are going to be reelected, who need to be reelected in 2020, are going to start wondering what what what's what they're are going to start thinking about their election plans pretty soon. And if uh, these numbers don't improve, they're going to they're going to be scared and they're going to have to do something. Um, and I mean, same with with the president, but I just don't think he cares that much about polls. So I'm not I'm not going to presume that he will take any uh, guidance from them. But I do think that the especially the um, GOP senators are who are up for reelection are going to be <clears throat> uh, taking this to heart, these numbers to heart, especially if they continue. I, I mean, if this shutdown continues and these numbers and we see more polls and it gets worse, I mean, they're going to have to do something. Yeah, and I'm trying to find the exact number, but one of the polls I saw today, I, I believe Political Wire was the source, I believe, um, they actually showed that one of the places that Donald Trump has lost a lot of his support is with white voters without a college degree. What is seen you know, demographically as the Trump base that they they're one of the biggest groups leaving him since the shutdown. You know, it's the group that wouldn't seemingly move has found something that caused him to move. Uh, Tim, did you remember seeing those numbers as well? Yes, he he is actually now for the first time ever underwater with um, white voters with no college, and the reason is uh, this shutdown and this border wall. 
they just can't go there with him on this. Again, we're talking about, you know, 800,000 people scattered around the country that all have families and and that people know. I'm sure a lot of those 800,000 uh, workers voted for Donald Trump. It's having a ripple effect. Again, with those kind of numbers, I, I just don't see how he could be reelected, and I don't see how congressional Republicans can stay with him long with those kind of numbers either. Yeah, I mean, this well, the is getting other- into their base. Uh, where they'll have to be reelected, uh, Catherine. Well, the other piece of this is uh, the farmers. So, you know, I think we all believe that, uh, you know, most farmers were probably Trump supporters, but they're they're getting hit double on this. They're they're facing these problems with the tariffs, and especially soy farmers, and then now with this uh, shutdown with food stamps. Uh, with the SNAP program in jeopardy, they're going to be losing on that mark too, and it's going to it's going to be. I mean, we're going to see some. It won't be long. In fact, it's already happening. We're going to see some rising food prices, uh, lack of availability of uh, produce and other um, grocery items. So, I mean, I think that those uh, Trump voters that are you know rural farmers and and people who work in the farming industry are going to he's going to lose them if he hasn't already because of the tariffs and the the shutdown because these are going to be this is direct impact on their uh livelihood yes well um i tell you what we're still waiting for our guests to call in um and we'll kind of pull off of that real quickly uh you know hopefully that'll happen soon but let's go ahead and get into our buy, sell, hold on 2020 candidates. And um, I'm trying to look up. We had three planned for last week. We have three from this week um, because it's such a fluid thing and exactly um, how folks get in. So let's kind of start with last week's. And the um, first one that came up is our first one I'm going to mention is uh, current Washington State Governor Jay Inslee. Uh, jumped in the race, uh, been, I think, a multi-term governor up there, but not necessarily known, I guess, outside of the Pacific Northwest in a big way. Um, Catherine, what is your thoughts on buy, sell, hold on Jay Inslee? I say hold. Primary uh, impact that he will have on the 2020 race is going to be about climate change. That's his big, um, the thing that he's most concerned about, and is very well, very um, informed and uh, eloquent about. And I think that I'm going to say a hold because I doubt he'll, you know, really get very far because of his name recognition. But I do think that he will bring climate change into the discussion in a uh, in a more powerful way than uh, than uh, than the other candidates. So I'm looking forward to his uh, commentary and his. Um, you know, how he, the impact that he has on the rest of the race, and hopefully will bring climate change to the front or into the, not to the very front, but into the discussion around the 2020 presidential election. Yes. Tim, hold. Uh, Tim, your thoughts on Jay Inslee? 
Well, I'm going to say sell. Um, I, I know everyone gets in the race thinking lightning can strike and here's my path to the nomination. <laughs> Failing that, a lot of people, I think, uh, as their second choice of things to do is to bring up an issue or a series of issues that they think are important to them and make them part of the national debate and perhaps plow the road for uh, some national attention later down the line. And I think that's what the governor is doing here with uh, the issue that Catherine talked about, which is uh, his signature issue, uh, climate change. Uh, But I think there's going to be a lot of people talking about that in our party, uh, and I just don't see a path forward for him. Uh, uh, I don't even know if he would uh, hang around until the Iowa caucuses, and I don't see how he could go uh, far past them. So. Yeah, I'm going to say hold, too. I, I'm sorry, not hold. I'm going to say sell, too. Um, I think in a traditional year, it would be a hold, maybe even a buy, where you had, say, six candidates, and he was maybe the only governor, uh, the only person uh, from the Pacific Coast. And there was some you know, unique quality, and it wasn't such a wide field, but but in a wide field like this, um, there's going to be more than one governor. There's going to be more than one person. There's already another candidate um, from the Pacific Coast. So it's going to be harder to stand out. And then also, Politico had a story where he was the head of the Democratic Governors Association, which may actually help him, and and Catherine may be more right there with the hold because he'll have some ties to some places. But the New Hampshire governor's race came up while he was DGA um, president or the chair, and he didn't really give any money to the New Hampshire governor's race when it was Republican held. And Democrats, they're like, you didn't help us, and they're kind of holding it against him. Um, and that's, of course, the second race. So if he does run, he may have to kind of run around New Hampshire. Um Catherine, did you see that story, and um, how do you think that will affect the prospects? Okay, Tim, did you see it? Oh, that will – Okay. Tim? Um, Catherine, were you going to say something about it, I mean, just knowing of it now? Oh, yeah, I think that will hurt him a lot in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is a small state. You know, it's retail politics in New Hampshire, and – There'll be a lot. There will be a lot of questions about that. I did not know that, so I think that no, will hurt and him. It, and it becomes tricky for him because Washington State's probably not a big farm state. I'm sure they have some apple farms, so therefore there's no real connection in Iowa. Uh, then if he has trouble in New in uh, New Hampshire, which might be demographically a little more like uh, Washington, if any of these states, and then South Carolina, a guy from completely across the country, so there's really not a lot of geographic fits early on for him. Uh, Tim, what is your thoughts? Did you see that story? Yes, I did. Uh, I I don't think that'll help him a lot with a lot of insiders, but the the thing that's going to hurt him the the most is is what you've already brought up. I mean, he's just not going to be able to stand out in such a crowded field, I don't think. There might be several governors in this race. There might be several people from his part of the country in this race. The last time a really serious candidate stepped forward to run for president from Washington was Scoop Jackson. And, uh, you know, 
he just didn't seem to have a big enough base of power way up in the Pacific Northwest uh, to do much of anything uh, nationally with, and he fell flat of his face, even though he was a, he was a good man. I, I, I just don't think there's going to be any oxygen in the room for the governor. Yeah, uh, Tim, a pretty good analysis there on Jay Inslee, but we got somebody who has probably way better analysis than us and a much better uh, political base across the nation and even world from Rolling Stone. Welcome, Matt Taibbi. Welcome, Matt. Is that Matt on the line with us? Uh, no, sir. My name is David. Oh, sorry. Oh. I thought you called in about the time we were expecting our guest. Um, well, David, I, I, we're we're working on some um, buy, sell, hold, so you're welcome to listen in. All right, sounds good. Okay. Um, well, I'll kind of keep him on so he can listen to us directly through the phone line, and people are welcome to do that. And hopefully we'll get our guest in soon. I, I don't know what Cherry Cody's calling in from, so I'm just having to um, pretty much take anything um, that, that comes through at this point. Well, it looks like we've covered Jay Inslee. Let's, uh, and, guys, you know when I said there were three candidates last week? Um, that's how many candidates we're getting in this race. You know, Wendy, Day, Wendy talked to us last week about how many we may get, and I thought there were three that jumped in last week. Apparently it was just two. Um, so we're going to, uh, you know, talk about the big-name candidate that really got in last week that people have been talking about really since even during the 2016 campaign. Uh, Senator from Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren. Um, Tim, buy, sell, hold Elizabeth Warren. Well, I I, I know she stag- she staggered out of the gate a little bit, but I'm I'm going to buy her because she's one of the top five candidates in the race from the get go. Uh, she may not get very very far. That remains to be seen. There'll be a lot more progressives in the race than just her. Uh, but still, I think we have to take her seriously, at least as a candidate. So I'm buying her. Catherine, your thoughts? I'm selling her. I want her to stay in the Senate. <laughs> you need her voice in the Senate. And I, yeah, I just um, don't see a path. I just don't see a path where she can win because she's so uh, she's so. Uh, criticized from the left, from the right that I think she'll be a volatile candidate. Um, and I want her in the Senate. I think her voice is really important in the Senate. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Catherine, and, and I'm going to buy, but if, I, if it was a month ago, I probably would have said sell, just like you said, because, you know, that when she did talk about her Native American heritage, and um, I think if a lot of people really understood DNA testing, it would be something that was good for a lot of people to know more about it. Um, but the way that came out, you know, wasn't the best, um, you know, roll out of that little part if it was. But then people need to realize that no one's 100 um, percent whatever race they think they are. Um, so, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different ancestry um, in their past, so maybe that was a learning thing. And then, of course, uh, just in the past week or two, she had that thing on Instagram where she drank a beer. I mean, that was so disjointed. But then I um, watched, I saw a poll, and they showed this poll where 
she is really doing well. Um, she's uh, like one of the top two candidates in the race. Um, and if Bernie Sanders doesn't run, she probably picks up a lot of his people, at least initially. And so she polled better than I thought she would. And also the, the figure where she, in her Senate reelection, she did worse than Hillary Clinton did in the state of Massachusetts. That was kind of a, an interesting thing, although I have a funny feeling that whoever she ran against in the Republican Party for Senate was probably superior to Donald Trump because it would be kind of hard to be inferior to Donald Trump at this point. <laughs> so there's a lot of data on her. Um, Catherine and Tim, did you all see that thing with drinking a beer on Instagram? I did. Yes, I did, what, too. Okay. Catherine, what did you think about that? I thought it was weird. Me, too. <laughs> I mean, I just, I thought, I mean, I think what she was trying to do was make a joke about having a beer with the president. You know, like we always, they always talked about <clears throat> George W. Bush and other candidates. But I just don't think she delivered very well. It was a kind of a clever idea, but it was uh, the uh, it it was poorly executed. Yes, um, Tim, your thoughts on that? Yeah, she doesn't sell that one very well. Which uh, who, which candidate would you rather have a beer with? And this is the takeoff on the beer test and all that. That that one didn't work, and I certainly wouldn't want to have a beer with, with, with her. I can think of a lot of beverages she might be drinking, but I'm thinking she's more of a hot tea or wine type. <laughs> and, uh, beer, beer, no. That, just, <laughs> that one just fell flat. Just run as yourself, Senator. That would be my advice to her. Run as yourself. And don't try to pass anybody's smell test. Well, and the weirdest thing about it was is her husband was off camp, uh, camera, and he didn't seem to want to have a beer with her. Um, it yeah. looked like yeah. there was no advisors <laughs> whatsoever in the room, and it's just something she did on her own and had no help with, and even her husband didn't get the script. And it comes down to, you know, everybody's looking at social media and say, oh, how can I use social media? Well, with 20 candidates, maybe not everybody has to use social media so wonderfully. Maybe there can be a room for uh, and space for a candidate or two to say, look, I just want to go govern. You know, I'm not going to be the greatest um, Instagram or Twitter um, sensation. And to me, that's okay because a lot of the people that have made a name for themselves on social media are not necessarily people we want being, you know, leaders of the free world. So the most competent adult in the room, particularly juxtaposing that person against Donald Trump, is not a bad place to be. Um, so that might be where That's a really Elizabeth good point, Warren David. was to think about. Yeah, I mean, it, there are going to be certain people. I mean, Beto O'Rourke, if he gets in this race, he's going to probably use social media very well, but then somebody else needs to realize they might not do that as well, but they can do something different. Um and that's what I'd advise her. And by the way, speaking of advisors, she's picked up some big-name advisors, like the person that's going to run her Internet campaign is somebody that was on President Obama's staff. And I believe she has somebody else um, from Hillary Clinton's campaign. Have you all kind of read about who she's picked up to be on yes, the campaign? She has, she, has, she has Richard McDaniel, who was, who's from Georgia, who uh, worked on uh, – was the, like, southern regional – organizer or something for Obama in 2012 and then um, 
He's worked on a lot of races in Georgia. Yeah. Tim? He worked on Doug Jones' race in Alabama, too. Yeah. I, we know him. You probably recognize him if you saw him. Yeah, yeah I heard um, about McDaniel being in her campaign. Uh, so she's got some front-line people with her. Um, she's jumped out of the gate early. That's helped her poll numbers. If... Uh, like I said, she just needs to run as herself. Don't don't try I to run as something that. else. Yeah, and, and then one more thing I'll say about her before we move on to the next candidates. Um, she went out to Iowa, and apparently she had just a tremendous crowd. <laughs> now, do y'all think that was more Elizabeth Warren star, star power or – we are so star for just anybody that's not Trump, and if you're willing to speak out against Trump, we just want to go hear you. What do you think, Tim? Well, I'll tell you something. I, I think it's the rock star thing with her. I mean, she she's well-known, especially in progressive circles, and she's a, a hero to many on the left. Um, she she will get in your face, as, as with Donald Trump, which someone needs to do. Uh, she gives that impression that she'd do it. So she's got the rock star thing going. Well, you know, a lot of people, successful politicians in recent years have been rock stars. Uh, Barack Obama was a rock star. Let's face it, Sarah Palin was a rock star. And this guy in the White House, I, I hate to say it, but had the rock star thing going too. She's got that going for her right now. She should use it, and I'm glad that she is. And it was smart to go out there to Iowa this early. Yes, and you think she would have some natural advantages since part of uh, New Hampshire is in the Boston media market right. uh, in that state as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the um, next candidate. We're going to go into people that um, have made some type of moves this week. Um, and the first one is Kristen Gillibrand, a senator from New York. Um, Catherine, your thoughts on Kristen Gillibrand, buy, sell, hold? Uh, probably a hold on Gillibrand. Um, you know, she's got good name recognition. Uh She's a likable character. Um, I, I, I would say hold. Tim, your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm going to sell her, too. I, I just think there are so, so many people that are going to run. I'm, I'm formulating in my head a group of five or six that I think are going to break away from the pack, and I don't, I don't think she's in that group. Uh are, are really close to it right now. I don't think we're going to elect uh, someone from New York either while we have someone from New York in the White House that people That's don't want point. to talk about. Uh, now I'm going to sell her. Yeah, I'm going to sell too, and, and I think, Tim, that is a good point about the you know double New York thing, and we just had a nominee from New York before that. Um, yeah. But but and part of the thing is, is if you look at her co congressional career and early Senate career, and then you look at her later Senate career, it's almost like two different people. And I know that people sometimes have a political evolution where they, you know, something enlightens them, or even the other way, uh, you know. But whatever it may be, you change over time because you get new information. 
But to me, a lot of the way she changed and so quickly and so abruptly, it was almost a little bit too convenient. And I would rather her be maybe not where I'm at politically, but be firm in where she is and who she is, if that's more conservative than me, if that's more liberal than me. And honestly, I think the old her was probably more conservative than me, and now the new her is probably more liberal than me. But it's this transition she took so abruptly, it's almost – it seems a little too convenient, and I'm really about politicians, whether they're from the right or the left or in the middle, about being core, you know, being about who you are. And I just don't get that sense about her. Um, Catherine, do you kind of see what I'm saying, or am I just off base? Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I'm not – I don't disagree with you, but I'd like to just hold and see, um, you know, who else enters the race and how she compares to them. Tim, your thoughts on her political evolution? Yeah, well, uh, that brings to mind a poll I just recently saw. Uh, I think maybe this morning on one of the morning shows. But 25 years ago, 25% of Democrats described themselves as liberal. Now 51% of Democrats describe themselves as liberal. The party has really moved to the left Uh toward the more progressive uh, issues. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's not lost on elected officials in Washington. And, uh, you know, what, what do they say? Me too. Uh, so, you know, she I, I think she's just naturally jumped that way for political expediency and preparation for this race. It's kind of like the old running joke. Uh, my people are going that way. I better run and catch up to lead them. Um, yeah, really. Yeah. And that's kind of what seems like about her. Um, the next one, and I want to make sure I try to do my best job on that first name, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii. Um, Tim, buy, sell, hold on Congress, Congresswoman Gabbard. Well, um uh... She is actually someone that is very interesting to uh, see on television and listen to. Uh, She's got a pretty good uh, bow, but she hails way from out there in Hawaii. She's still a very new name on the scene, um, which might work well in a two- or three-person race. Uh, but in a 22- or 23-person race, I'm afraid that she's going to get lost in the shuffle. i got to sell her. Yes, Catherine, your thoughts on her? I haven't thought that much about her, but I'm going to sell her <laughs> for the same reasons that Tim said. <laughs> yes, I, and I'm going to sell as well. Um it, it, there's going to be some real heavyweights in this race, and I don't think she's going to be one of them. Yeah. I was really not familiar with her until she was one of the few politicians to endorse uh, Bernie Sanders. Um, and, and still, she didn't really make that much of a splash even doing that. And then I, I read about when she uh, got in the race, she said, you know, I'm really going to focus on the issues of war and peace. Now, obviously, if a war's going on or a war's imminent, then that's a big issue. But right now it just feels like we're in a domestic policy um, place. Now we do have how we're handling Russia and then 
how we're handling, you know, how some people are viewing our southern border, but neither one of those are hot war issues. And, and so if you're running on, you know, keeping us out of war, but then we have domestic issues, it's maybe not your time. Um, Catherine, did you see that comment about the war and peace, and what did you make of it? I didn't see it. I don't. I, I haven't really followed her much. So I don't. I, I can't really speak. Yeah, yeah. I saw it, uh, and I agree with you, David. Uh, she's barking. That uh, uh, what did De- Bill Clinton like to say? That old dog ain't hunting this year. Uh, <laughs> I think she has picked the wrong election to do that in because I believe the election is going to be focused more on. Uh, uh, the stateside stuff, and I and I think the big uh, key word in, in, in the race is going to be competency. People are going to be looking for someone safe and competent. Uh, per, perhaps this will be a good year for the senior figures to step forward, you know, the Bidens and people like that. And uh, like I said, the, the, the newness of her is, is not going to be the novelty than it would have been, say, a dozen years ago or something like that. And the issue that she's bringing forward would have been more popular to talk about in 2006 than it is right now. So, Yes. And the final name, um, U.S. Senator from California, Kamala Harris. <laughs> And I've also heard it pronounced Kamala, and that's how the wrestler used to pronounce it, but I think it's Kamala. Do, y- do y'all, either one of y'all know for sure? I believe it's I Kamala. It's Kamala. Kamala, but yes. Okay. Um, but Senator Harris. Um, okay. Tim, buy, sell, hold on her. Gonna buy her. I think she has the opportunity to move into the top tier of Democrats. I think she has acquitted herself very well in her time in the Senate. Uh, I think she's very articulate. Uh, She knows what she's about. And uh, she's got another thing working for her. That there's also some talk about her being on the ticket as a vice presidential candidate. So she is being taken seriously in two uh, schools of thought. So I'm, I'm going to buy her. Catherine, your thoughts? I'm going to buy her, too. I, uh, I think she's, uh, like, she's very uh, eloquent. She's poised. She um, is, I just saw her this week on The View, and she was, she's very um, authentic and uh, uh, well-spoken and, uh, and fiery. She's fiery. She's not um, afraid of talking about tough issues. And I, I think she's, she will, and I, I didn't know that she was, you know, that there was, you know, talk about her as a, vice presidential candidate that puts her in very good stead so that you know but yes i am buying her yes i'm gonna buy as well i mean i'll buy her stronger than any candidate that we've discussed so far um you know she comes from california the largest state there is that means her fundraising is probably going to be strong she already has developed a national profile um the hearings with um, 
Brett Kavanaugh, she really made a name for herself there. She was by far the most versed on the issues of judicial issues, and she has been California's attorney general before that. You could tell she had that legal background, um, and she did so well in those hearings and kind of made that name for herself. I, I think she's going to be in this primary long after some of these folks um, are out. And honestly, if I had to pick two people, I'd probably put all my money on two people, her and one person that isn't in the race yet, Beto O'Rourke. And I saw a Harry Denton on CNN. He had those two as top two, and he may have had Harris number one, but I know it was Harris and O'Rourke one and two. And I think when y'all mentioned vice president, I think they may get mentioned as each other's vice president at the same time as well. Because um, they're both, neither one are really old in political terms, so they could easily move up next, if you will, whichever way the thing goes. Um, based on this, let's talk about her, not in the Democratic primary, because I think she'll do very well. South Carolina could be an early win for her. But let's talk about um, her against Donald Trump. Um I have a feeling that even though there's been articles written that electability is um, you know, not going to be play as big a role in the Democratic uh, primary, when we get down to just a few candidates, if we see that one candidate runs better or worse against Donald Trump than another, don't we get scared and want to play, play it safe and find the candidate that will beat him? And is Senator Harris that candidate? What do you think, Catherine? Um. I think she has – I mean, I think it, it's so hard to tell um, before we see the response that she gets from – you know, it's just – for me, it's just really hard to to uh, guess on that, on those things. Because, I, I mean, I think a, a woman running against Trump is probably a better scenario than a man. And I think a black woman, especially one who's fiery and uh, willing to, you know, go up against him is good. But it's just hard for me to, to it's hard for me to guess. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I have a hard time not knowing, you know, how she's received, not seeing her on, the, you know, what her energy level is, what her, all those things that sort of, play into what makes a good candidate and what makes a good uh, foil for for the their opponent. I'm sorry, I just can't. I can't oh, guess. And I understand, and I may have, the, and Tim, I may have that question for you in just a second, but I'm going to take a chance, just had a caller into the show. Is this uh, Matt Taabi of Rolling Stone? Uh, no, this is Mike from Beijing. How are you, sir? <laughs> oh, hey, Mike. Um, doing good. Mike, I'm glad you're listening in from China. We're going over some buy, sell, hold um, of Democratic uh, ca- candidates, and we just have a few minutes remaining to the show. You're welcome to listen right. online. All right. That was uh, – I got a lot of callers in tonight just you know, wanting to listen to the audio feed, which is good. Uh, Tim, your uh, thoughts on um, Kamala Harris's electability one-on-one with Donald Trump? Well, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of what Catherine said. It, 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 it's kind of hard to say. Uh, first of all, um, her path to the nomination is not going to be 
as easy as you would think. Um, uh, is she going to stagger out of the gate in Iowa and New Hampshire before we ever turn south where she, she might do better? And let's say she is the nominee. I, I think she'll acquit herself quite well. I think what voters are really going to be looking for in the next uh, president is stability, competency, and authenticity. She's not going to be talking all this craziness that he talks. She may be facing a president with an approval rating in the 30s. And... uh so his only choice would be to say, yeah, I'm bad, but my opponent over here is worse, and then attempt to tear her down and bring her down to his level. And I think he succeeded in doing that with Hillary Clinton, uh, at least in the eyes of the voters. But her, I, I, I don't think he would do quite that well. Uh, he could play his California card, and I'm sure that's what they would do, run against her as a big left-coast liberal out of touch with the voters and la-di-da-di-da. But, but uh, you, you know what? If the next election is about Donald Trump and we have a decent nominee that, you know, doesn't have skeletons in the closet and uh email problems and that sort of thing i i i think he's in real real big trouble i think she could beat him yeah i think this there's going to be three big factors um kind of uh, surrounding this whole thing one i do definitely feel the democratic party wants to make history didn't happen in 2016 but if the democratic party the democratic primary voters knew that they could um, pretty much anybody they nominate would be elected. I think they would like to have a female nominee. Um, and then, the, but the next thing is, is I think most Democratic voters know you have to get rid of Trump. If he were to win a second term, um, then he probably would make gains in the House. Uh, we wouldn't make a lot of progress in the Senate, and he would have another chance to enact more of his agenda or things in his agenda like this wall, um, you know, if he doesn't get it and the shutdown ends, then he might have another chance of that. And that's so risky. So the thing for uh, Kamala Harris and this is going to be, can she say, I can beat Donald Trump irregardless, and then she may become the top female candidate, and that's going to help her as well. The third thing is, is as you see and, and watch Back in the election and since then, Beto O'Rourke just has an it factor. I mean, he has the biggest it factor I've seen since Barack Obama. Um, and so can she stop that as well if he decides to run? And I know we're not talking about him yet, but I think almost every conversation, he somehow inserts himself into it just because he is so compelling as a candidate the way he talks. Um, uh Tim, any takeaways on all that? Yeah, uh, as far as it factors, uh, I, I'm still going to withhold judgment on O'Rourke till I see him on a national stage. Uh, 
secondly, I, I already know who I'm going to vote for, so I'm, I'm not even going to go there. But I do think Kamala Harris is going to be someone that voters are going to like when they see her on television, when they hear her talk, um, when when they see that this woman really has a, a strong backbone, a strong conscience, and uh, she's she's just a, you know an able legislator too. I I, I think I think the voters are are, are gonna like her. Uh, matter of fact, she she's one of those people that I'm thinking is in the top five or six coming out of the gate, along with the list yes. of Warren. So, Catherine, you get the final word on this. What do you think about all those different uh, scenarios or points for? Kamala Harris. Well, I just have to say that you know who else had the it factor? John Ossoff. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, I, th- those two people are in different stratospheres. <laughs> uh, to I, me, I, one I was a cardboard I mean, cutout, I, and one actually won congressional races. <laughs> well, that's true. He did win. He he has he has been elected. So, but. Um, I think it'll be interesting if if uh, O'Rourke gets in, how he does on the national, you know, tour of uh, you know Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, blah blah. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he holds up. Um, I'm not I'm not gonna. I, I think there may be some it factors in some other potential candidates too. Uh, so I'm not as, uh, I'm not as, um, ex- not, not excited. I'm not as, uh, sold on, uh, Beto as you are. I mean, I, I think he'd be a great candidate. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't, I don't have him elevated above anybody else at this point. I'm with Kathy. Yeah. And, we'll I, see, I, and I really didn't want to get into that, but you know, sometimes in, politics, sports, uh, you know, looking at movie awards, there's certain entities that affect everything else, and right now he seems to be that uh, in the Democratic primary from where I'm looking at. David, I would only add a word of caution here. I've I've, I've been in politics a a long time, uh, and I've seen a lot of people that couldn't miss that proceeded to do just that. Um, so, you, you know, it, there's a lot of intangibles that go in this thing. This is going to be a very crowded Democratic field. And this is going to be one time that I think the well-known people coming out of the gate are actually uh, going to have an advantage because there are so many in the race. People are going to be scratching their heads, and then all of a sudden they're going to point at one and say, oh, wait, I know that one. And that'll actually be something that'll help them. Name recognition is going to mean a lot more than it did, say, when Barack Obama ran in 2008. Yeah, and Uh, I will say one final thing on this is is I do think that – Herbie, if, if Kamala Harris is like seen as the number two but really strong, that could be um, a good factor because if everybody then gangs up on who they see as the first front runner, 
that person could get knocked down, and then the person that's second, by the time um, that everything gets rolling, um, they're ready. They don't have all the negatives that have been put on them by ad buys and what have you. So maybe if she's not seen as the number one but in the top tier, she could then push ahead, and we have seen that. Um, Howard Dean was the early leader, and then John Kerry didn't take a lot of um, negatives in 2004, ended up winning the nomination. Hillary Clinton was the early front runner in, tw- in 2008. Um, Barack Obama um, kind of, you know, passed her up, and he didn't take as many negatives early. So we shall see. Well, um, we'll try to figure out what happened and maybe put this thing back together. We do have our um, guest host, our, our guest lined up for next week from Daily Co's, Kelly Masias, um, is going to join us again. Until then, in the Cozy Bible. Okay. Good night, guys. Good night, y'all. Good night, everybody. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.